morning. Thank you for tuning into the Media Lounge Podcast. I am your host, Celine, and today I have with me a special guest, Walt Heyer. Walt is a public speaker and author of the book, Trans Life Survivors. Walt, thank you for joining the podcast this morning. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it is my pleasure. Walt, well, in light of all that is happening in our nation today, I am glad to hear that you are doing well. And I am thankful for this time as it has provided me with the opportunity to speak with you on the topic of transgenderism. Walt, before we begin, I want to share with you and the audience that I first heard your story on the Candace Owen show. So shout out to Candace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's great. She she is. She goes against the grain. She's not scared to speak on what is right, and she does it unapologetically so. So shout out to her. She's a brilliant woman. Walt, so I think that you would agree with me uh, when I say that we are living in some very, very confusing times. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine to think what it is going through the mind of a child when they are taken off their narrow path when it comes to who they are and their sexual identity. Most recently, and as you may already know, the state of New York passed a law that will now allow transgender minors to change their sex on their birth certificate to reflect their gender identity. Not the one that God has assigned to them, but rather the one that they feel is right for them. Okay, so I will be honest, I do not have a great understanding on what people go through when they are struggling with sexual dysphoria. But Walt, you lived through this. You were a transgender woman, and I'm going to ask that you please start at the beginning and share your story with our listeners. Sure. Well, it it starts 75 years ago, Celine, in uh, 1944. And um, we didn't have any terms like gender dysphoria or transgenderism. I was just a young boy at my grandmother's house who made me a purple chiffon dress and encouraged me um, for whatever reason. I think I did show some interest uh, in wearing women's clothing, and she was a seamstress and actually made women's clothing. So um, it was probably my visual attraction to what she was doing And then uh, through that process, she made me a purple chiffon dress that I put on when she was babysitting me. Uh, This was a little secret that Grandma and I had for two and a half years, where when I was at her house and my parents were away for the weekend, I would be cross-dressing with Grandma. So, But what we know now in looking back to 75 years is that uh, having a boy put on a dress or be affirmed or encouraged to change genders is actually psychological and emotional child abuse. And it's not healthy. Uh, It's not good. If it was, I wouldn't be talking about it in a negative term 75 years later. This has affected my life for 75 years. That, we should understand, is wrong for any adult to put a child in a position to suffer through something, even though I've somewhat overcome this and have detransitioned back. But still, it's 75 years of history because somebody put me in a purple dress, said how cute I looked, and affirmed me. This is the insanity of doing this. And and New York will pay the price for this. 
I wish that these municipalities who are doing this had in their clause that they would be willing, if the child reverts back, that they would be willing to give them $5 million each for the mistake that this mis- uh, that New York made by encouraging this, because it is a mistake. And so, yeah. but to carry through my story, so that started this idea of actually it's not gender dysphoria it's actually a, a, a bad terminology what they create with this is called gender anxiety you become anxious about who you are you become confused or or even depressed because someone is encouraging you and you're wondering why is this person encouraging me to change genders and so you know you act out this behavior as a young child because you have no idea what the consequences are no one talks about the word consequences. They only talk about dysphoria. And consequences are devastating. And that's why we see so many people commit suicide. It is, and changing somebody's birth certificate is not gonna prevent them from committing suicide. In fact, it may actually cause them to commit suicide because later on, they will wake up from this insanity and realize that it was a big mistake. And this happens pretty much every day. So I I went through this process and um, finally learned in the 50s about transgenderism when um, Christine Jorgensen made the headlines, the first soldier to transition from male to female, which is really the word transition is even a joke. Nobody actually transitions. That's another part of this whole lie. Nobody that's a man can ever become a woman. That's absolute nonsense. And no man can ever actually knows what it's like to feel like a woman. I mean, give me a break. I mean, who knows what a woman feels like except a woman? Yes, right. You're absolutely (laughs) right. Walt, where do you think this confusion stems from? Yeah, I know where it comes from. Uh, It it comes either from a parent uh, who is an advocate, a rainbow LGBT activist, it comes from the television, uh, from shows that show people changing genders, or it comes from cartoons that has characters in it that have changed genders, or it comes from school where they're encouraging kids to experiment with changing genders. Um, it comes from all this social ideology about encouraging this behavior. And so why we should understand that having a social construct where people are encouraging this is bound to cause kids confusion. They begin, well, gee, am I a trans? What am I? I? I don't know. I mean, they're saying in school this and they're saying. So we see that as adults in schools and clinicians and television and all these things are actually causing, they are causing the gender dysphoria or gender distress or gender anxiety, whatever you want to call it. They are causing it. Keep in mind All of us listening to this today, look back 15 years and tell me how many kids you saw that were struggling with their gender identity. None. Right. You never heard about it. It was non-existent. We have created by virtue of our televisions, our internet, schools, and the advocates, we have created a group of confused kids and it is our fault. These kids are not born transgender. These kids are not born gender confused or distressed. We are giving them gender distress. It is a crime to do what we're doing to kids. And 
it's acerbated by the fact that we are taking those young people and stuffing them full of hormones or hormone blocking uh, things. And then in some cases we have surgeons, like I think in Georgia, the guy lives off of cutting girls' breasts off who are 12 or 13 years old. I mean, there, there's so many people who are just uh, living off and feeding off of this insanity and so that they can make the Mercedes-Benz payment. I mean, to me, these people should be locked up. Their license to practice medicine should be taken from them. We are ruining kids. We know from research, Celine, that if we leave the kids alone, literally leave them alone, over 90% of them will actually grow out of this uh, gender distress or anxiety by the time they reach adulthood. We don't even give them a chance to grow out of it. We lock them in by telling them that they need hormone blocking material or they need surgery or that they can change genders. I mean, this is absolutely the greatest fraud in terms of medical malpractice I've ever seen. And, and like I said, if we just take a moment and in our sanity, realize that this never existed years ago. Right. We're creating you're absolutely you're absolutely right, one hundred percent right about that. Walt, let me ask you, is there any type of counseling that these children undergo or even young adults before they go into transition? Is I mean how naive would we be to look away and just dismiss the fact that there are any internal issues going on with an individual? Do we just look away at that and say, hey, you're ready for this transition. Let's go. Everyone's cheering them on. That's really what's yeah. happening today. Yeah, I, that is a huge mistake to cheer them on, to be cheerleaders for the transition. Uh, in Switzerland and in the Czech Republic, where I just came back from the Czech Republic and speaking to their parliament there and speaking to people who do the surgery, speaking to uh, sexologists, who deal with psychologists, who deal with pastors, who deal with this. And what, what we're coming to understand is that rather than talk and use the word gender dysphoria, we're talking about uh, anxiety. We're talking about confused anxiety. And using that term and replacing that term with gender dysphoria allows us this opportunity to use one other terminology is called watchful waiting. So if, if we, we are beginning to understand that if we don't use terms like gender dysphoria and then apply that gender dysphoria, which typically means hormonal blockers or surgery, and we use the term uh, anxiety or some kind of uh, distress, and then watchful waiting replaces the idea of hormone therapy and surgeries, we know then that we can keep these children, then uh, this is through therapy. They need to be in therapy during this time. And oftentimes what we'll realize is that there's something that occurred early on. We, I've seen cases where older uh, siblings, maybe they're 12 years old sibling, maybe they're girls and they have a boy that's five years old, it's a brother. They cross-dress him. They actually cross-dress him, encourage him, paint his fingernails, put lipstick on him, and tell him how cute he looks. We have siblings that are actually doing what my grandmother did to me. 
we don't need to be cross-dressing kids. We need to be giving them cowboy boots and encouraging them in their manhood. What we're doing is destroying their inner core of who they are. We're telling them, you're really not a man. You really aren't going to be good as a man. You can't live up to the ideology of a man. You're better off being a woman. Well, what a, a big crock. We got to get our head out of the sand. We're destroying, literally destroying an entire generation of children. Sadly so, sadly so. Um, Walt, going back to your story and when you were dressed, when your grandmother put on that purple dress and it was kept a secret, you said, why do, did you feel the need to go back to cross-dressing and what? how did you feel? Were, did you receive some affirmation of some sort from your grandmother when you put on that dress? Absolutely. That's that's what locks you in. That that yeah. You see, we, we can become addicted as children to feeling wanted, affirmed, encouraged. I mean, it's it's very intoxicating to have people telling you how cute you look or how wonderful you are or how whatever. And this is the insanity of doing this uh, to young people and encouraging this way. So uh, when you begin to do that, you're locking them in. You're beginning to change. You keep in mind that the young people are in the development stage. They're looking for how are they going to uh, experience life and who they are. And so the adults and others around them are going to be influencing them and actually shaping them. They're just like a little ball of clay. And we begin to shape them into how to think, how to feel, and how to behave. And if we think about those three terms, think, feel, and behave, affirming them, cross-dressing them, uh, is absolutely guiding them in the total wrong direction to who they are. And it's destructive. It's psychologically and emotionally and in many ways results in sexual dysfunction for these young people when they're adults. Yes. Naturally, kids are curious. You know, kids like to explore. Kids question things. And I'll give you an example. My daughter, when she was, um, I'd like to say, maybe four or five years old, you know, they see things, they hear things, and they come up with the craziest ideas. Well, she felt that she wanted to be a fancy naked lady. <laughs> I, I don't know what we go. had on. She must have seen someone on the TV dancing. And sure. and I think to myself, had I supported her the way that parents support these children now, what would have been of my daughter what would have been sure. of my daughter? And I, and what I did, and this may be a, li- a little extreme, but I, I was not going to play with that. I was not going to entertain that. I took her in her in her in her underwears at that point, and it was nighttime, and we had a balcony at that point. And I said, "You want to be a fancy naked lady?" I said, "Here you are. Look at the world will see you. You are a fancy naked lady now." And she started crying. She went back. Back inside, and she never, she never wanted to be a fancy naked lady again. <laughs> I well, we obviously, have to stop it right there. <laughs> yeah, well, that was effective. What you did was effective, and it was appropriate. Yes, it was, and it, we, 
as parents are trusted to guide our children and to agree when children say that they feel they want to be a girl or they want to be a boy and just to to imply that they were born in the wrong body and agree with that. I I have such a huge problem with that. And as you said, many people who go through this and eventually get the reassignment done and they go through the transition, end up committing suicide, they go through sexual abuse. What is that like? Did you ever have thoughts of not wanting to live anymore? Yes, I attempted suicide mm-hmm. like many people do. You just you realize that you've been lied to. And, you know, that happened when I was in my 40s. You realize that everybody had been lying to you and you you come to your own place. And I was, I had lost my job. I had lost my family. I had lost everything because of this idiocy about thinking that you can become someone that you can never become. You know, you cannot transition. There are, there are no people who transgender. You can't transgender. You can't transition. You don't have gender dysphoria. Yes, you're confused. Maybe you have some case of body dysmorphia. Maybe you have some other uh, bipolar disorder or just a social anxiety. Many of these children suffer with social anxiety. Kids have suffered from social anxiety for years. If we look back, we can see the time when, not met that many years ago, there was the goth area. Everybody, you know, was goth. Yes. Everybody dressed in black. They had all these different kids typically migrate to these ideas to try to find their identity. But being goth, you know, is just a set of clothing. It wasn't filling them with hormones. It wasn't cutting off body parts. It wasn't encouraging them to become someone else. So it was somewhat benign. This is not benign at all. This is absolutely destructive. And, you know, my website, I get the letters and and stories from individuals. Let me give you an example. A boy, 15 years old, encouraged by his parents up Mm -hmm. in uh, the eastern part of our country, was taken to a gender clinic. Parents signed on. The boy starts taking hormones. At age 18, parents right alongside of him. Boy goes through complete surgery, genital surgery, breast, the whole thing. He identifies as a girl. Now, how do I know about this? One year later, he writes me a note and says, I feel like a Frankenstein monster. Can you help me get my life back? Oh, no. So here we are. Here we are destroying a young kid, 19 years old. We have ruined his life. Parents were right there. When he told his parents he wanted to detransition, they said, oh, no, don't, because they didn't want to feel that sense of responsibility. I wrote an article about it, and I put out, can anybody help this young person? Uh, He's going to need money. He's going to need surgery. And when the parents got a hold of my uh, the son showed the, 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 the article I wrote to them about him, and they said, oh, please don't do this. Uh, we'll help you. We'll help you. We'll help you detransition. See, it, they didn't want him to detransition until I put it out nationally uh, in the Daily Signal. So, you know, I think, you, you know, we, we, we just have to stop it. This is just total 
insanity, and nobody seems to be willing to speak up. I get the letters all the time. I just had an email that I answered at 4 o'clock this morning. The guy said he's been suffering from gender dysphoria for 40 years. He's 60 years old. In three separate quick emails back and forth, I was able to identify the guy never had gender dysphoria. That wasn't the case at all. He was suffering from uh, something called autogynephilia. And so if, if we have some clinicians that actually can identify what we know to be called the comorbid disorders or the underlying issues why people want to change their gender, we can probably eliminate 99% of all the hormonal and surgical changes made. But the advocates don't want that to happen because they would be exposed for the lies, the harm. They are literally responsible for the suicides by advocating the gender reassignment, which is, isn't reassignment at all. All it is is a cosmetic masquerade of somebody they can never be. None of these people can be women it, when they're men. None of the women actually become men. They're only facsimiles of these individuals. It, this is the insanity. If you think about insanity, think about this, these people thinking that they're someone they are not and claiming that that's who they really are. That, my friend, is it total insanity. Yes, I agree. I agree. And we think that we are supporting our children, but we are really just doing them a disservice, and that is irreversible damage. I feel that people need people to talk to. And, Walt, we appreciate you for being that person that someone can go to, they can talk to. Where can the listeners reach you, Walt? Yeah, they can reach me at sexchangeregret.com dot com and um, walthire.com. I really would like the listeners to get the book Trans Life Survivors. And if they want to go a little deeper into the history and how this came about and how three men, pedophile activists, these were people who believed that it was totally appropriate for adult men to have sex with young boys started this insanity in the early 1950s in this country. I, I encourage everyone to read those two books. You will be shocked at how there has never been any medical evidence, never any medical evidence that anyone needs hormones or surgery, ever. Yes. Mm. And Walt, before we wrap up, I want to share with the listeners that, um, as we mentioned, you lived as a transgender woman for some years, but that is not the case anymore. How is life for you today? Well, I detransitioned 30 years ago, and um, I've got my life back, and uh, I have been married now for 22 years to a lovely gal who's a graduate oh. of uh, Berkeley, bless her heart. Um, not to, yeah. And so uh, we're married um, and happily married, and we have this uh, work that we do around the world, and that's why I was just in the Czech Republic and got back uh, just a week ago when uh, the president said uh, they were closing 
off the borders and all these things, so we jump back from the Czech Republic. But um, we are living quite nicely, helping people. I can tell you that nothing has given me more pleasure than to work with these people who've been harmed, who've been misled, and who've been inappropriately given hormones and had body parts changed and ruined their life. We give them the opportunity to come back and restore their life just as I have. And um, all the glory to Mm. God for that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for doing God's work, Walt. We appreciate you. It's been an honor having you on the podcast today. And I hope that we can catch up sometime soon again. (laughs) I'd love to have you back on. Thank you, Walt. You have a great, great weekend. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. 